Hello, Guardians. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Dierig, and alongside me, as always, is the Jotun Toten, the Vault Dwelling, the Mayor of the Deepstone Crypt, my favorite co-host on the Citadel, the Vow of the Disciple, Mr. Josh Finney. Oh, man. We're going to have to come up with new names after uh, after this raid is cleared on Saturday. I know. <sighs> <laughs> I'm the, so excited. I'm excited, and I, I don't know if I've ever been more nervous for a raid in Destiny's history. This, for, for me, like, raids are such an important part of when we assign a score, or, like, it was an amazing expansion, it was a, eh, it was kind of okay, like, the raid is what makes up such a big part of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, Shadowkeep was an overall weak expansion, but goddamn, Garden of Salvation is, like, probably the most beautifully designed raid. Yeah. Like, in D2, I would say it's probably, like, aesthetically the most beautiful. It's got the worst mechanic of all time in Destiny history. There's a reason why we've never seen it again. But aesthetically, it is very pleasing. I love the design of the weapons. Um, the armor was a little bit of a cop-out, you know, reskinned uh, Curse of Osiris armor, but... Willing to let bygones be bygones because it made me look like a Vex soldier. Um, and you, know, you have things like Last Wish that took the Dreaming City, which we had all just been exposed to a few days earlier, gave us a brand new spin on it, changed the changed the game world forever. We still haven't recovered from the implications of that. I'm excited to see what happens in the Throne World after we beat the Pyramid Raid for the first time. I'm excited to see. We have a theory that that's going to be a step to progress the Exotic Glaives. Um... It's probably going to open up some new stuff on the investigation board, I would imagine. There's been whispers that maybe another strike comes out of this, which I personally don't think we're getting a strike or another. I don't know if we'll get another explorable area out of it. Hmm. Um, th- there's be just bad. been a lot of wacky theories going around out yeah. there, and I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I am really excited for this raid. I. I mean, I'm not going to be ready for probably a couple weeks, to be honest, just because. Yeah. Uh, you know, work stuff and moving stuff around with my other podcasts and stuff. But like, uh, yeah, this this was like they showed that <laughs> they showed that hype video today, and then they showed Jay teased the pyramid right, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool looking uh, visual they have there. Uh, my my favorite discussion in the community has been who is the disciple. Yeah. Um. I've got I've got my own personal thoughts on that. I've seen theories range from, uh, is it Callus? Which I think there there's some evidence in mm-hmm. uh, the seasonal story that me makes me think eh, it could be Callus. But I do, I just with how the seasonal story has progressed, if we had made like more jumps at this point, if this mm-hmm. was coming out like halfway through the season, then I would maybe back up that theory. Yeah. I don't think it's him. It's not. It's not Marasov. Uh, so who is it? You know, it's not Eris. Is it Zivu Arath? Um, I don't think it's Zivu Arath. I, I, I'm going to be really clear. Zivu Arath, I have my own theories on that. I think, like, you're going to get... Because Sav- Savathun's not done, okay? No, like, Savathun's dead. Her ghost fled. She's totally coming back, okay? Probably going to destroy the tower in a fit of anger. Um, I think it's going to be, like, her and Zivu Arath are going to... I, it's going to be an enemy of my enemy is my friend situation mm-hmm. where we're going to have to align ourselves with her and the Lucent Brood mm-hmm. during the events of Lightfall or even the Final Shape, and you're going to get a fucking Clegane Bowl 
uh, well, for all my Game of Thrones, uh, non-Game of Thrones fans, I guess I should say, uh, the Clegane Bowl was the long-fabled showdown between Sandor Clegane, the Hound, and his brother, the the Mountain, who is this, like, monstrosity of a man and is pure evil. And the two of them, you know, prophesied to, to duke it out, and they finally do, while King's Landing burns at the end of Game of Thrones. I think you're going to get that with Sabathun and Zivu Arath. They're just going to kill each other, ultimately. Um, there is some evidence that points to Sabathun becoming an ally. I'll cover that in Lore Corner in a, just a little bit, but... Uh, when we talk about the disciple, I think that what you're probably looking at is, I hate to say this guy's fucking name, but maybe Fickrel comes back, oh. the leader of the Scorn. Yeah, and that would be super underwhelming. I'd yeah. be super underwhelmed if he was the raid boss. I'm no offense, I'm tired of the Scorn. I know they're not like. I'm really tired. Are... I'm, you know what? I was tired of the Scorn. I was really hoping they'd get sunset with the Tangled Shore, and instead they were like. Josh, you don't like the scorn? Here they are in every <laughs> fucking public area of the throne world. I mean, they're in they're in like half the, the campaign. They're, in the throne world. They're in like half the campaign. I was like, come on, oh, dude, man. I'm, I'm so I'm so mad. I'm so I, done, I'm so done with the scorn. <laughs> so I loved the campaign. Yeah, I was, and I haven't played it on legendary yet, which I want to. I'm where I was planning Woo! on it with Mitch soon, but like, I was like. I want to fight more Hive Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they? I'm actually shocked at how few that we fight in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, I find more just strolling around the throne world than anything. Yeah. I wonder uh, if... Doing investigations, things like that. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to be in the pyramid. They've, they've got to be. There's got to be a phase that we go through where we fight like three or four at once or something. Yeah. There's just, there's got to be. Maybe they I have don't their see own raid they... team. Maybe that's an encounter. Maybe it's like a hive raid that, team. I, I'm not going to lie. That would be fucking dope. Like, so I'd be six of so them. excited if that happened. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, I think that would be really cool. I, there's a lot of things you can do there. Like, when we talk about. Enco like encounters it mm -hmm. really seems like and we're, we're just going to segue into the twab with this because spoiler the twab's all about patch notes and about the raid race um a lot of the things that it looks like we're going to earn from the raid with bungee rewards and with the emblems and stuff are very prismatic mm -hmm. um there's a lot of different colors on them it's like a rainbow and we knew from the eververse data mines and from the api data mines that there is an exotic shader of some kind coming and it's classified in the system. It's classified as a prismatic shader. I wonder if an exotic shader is going to drop from the raid for the very first time. Interesting. Or if it'll just be sold in Eververse, which is the much more likely option and I'll gladly fork over five bucks for it. I wonder, um... I wonder if like, <laughs> Hmm. No, that's, that would be dumb. I was going to say, I wonder if it unlocks in Eververse after Worlds First completes the raid, but... I mean, so. so you joke about that, but there was a shader pack with a couple transmog bucks that unlocked in Eververse when you finished Vault of Glass. Because mm -hmm. I bought it really quickly. I paid five bucks. Yeah. No shame. Zero shame. Bought that in the Throne of Atheon. Zero shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bought the Throne of Atheon. Um, I I don't know. Like I think there's so many things you can do here. Like the disciple is what's got me thinking because 
based on the conclusion to the campaign, that final cutscene, I really do think that if there was ever a time for us to fight a brand new enemy in Destiny, never before seen, throw a curveball at us, this raid is the place to do it. I genuinely wonder if they've kept it a secret and nobody's somehow found it out, or at least if they have, it hasn't spread. I really, I've been pushing this for so long that I think we're going to fight the boss and think it's the boss fight and we'll get like mission complete on the screen and then it statics out like uh-huh. we've gotten before in some campaign missions. What if that happens and as you approach the where the chest is, it kickstarts the final encounter automatically. Or you just see like a raid banner circle appear next to it. Mm-hmm. And you've got like audio coming in from whoever's guiding you through the raid or whatever. Like say Mara's been giving you periodic dialogue or Eris or something. And then all of a sudden you just hear somebody go like, oh my God. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, just this brand new enemy race comes out. That'd be awesome. I would scream. I mean, this that would be the would place be... to unveil. This would be the this would be the place to unveil the veil, right? That would be probably the biggest moment in Destiny history. I mean, I told you when I finished the campaign, and the and the witness was walking towards, and the planets were swirling around, right? Mm-hmm. And like he opened the the space like a curtain. I thought they were going to unveil the veil, but then it was just a bunch. of... I thought so too. And then it's the traveler, though. Yeah. You know, so does he actually, does he have the Traveler with him or not? Yeah. And there, there's so many questions, like the Black Fleet is there, and just, man, if you were ever going to do it, this is the place to do it. Um, of course, I have full faith in Bungie's raid team. That's the team I don't worry about at this point. Yeah. And I don't feel like I have to worry about the campaign either. We did get the news that um, the lead campaign designer, uh, Andrew Hopps, is actually going to be the campaign director for Lightfall as well. Uh-huh. Uh, he very subtly updated his uh, his Twitter his Twitter bio when the Witch Queen came out. I don't know if we talked about that last week. Yeah, uh, but that is just amazing news. I mean, this is a guy who's been involved in making the raids since King's Fall. So and has been the lead for a lot of D2's biggest raids, including the initial Leviathan raid, Last Wish. Garden of Salvation and the Deepstone Crypt. He basic and he also headed up Prophecy as well. I should say, uh, basically finished DSC and then shifted to the Witch Queen. I do suspect that may be part of the reason why Witch Queen got delayed uh-huh. was because they were like, okay, we want to incorporate these types of mechanics into the campaign now. People want something more challenging. They want a legendary campaign. Let's do it. We're going to bring over part of the raid team to head this up. Uh-huh. And of course, Joe Blackburn, uh, the co- one of the co-game directors with uh, Justin Truman, Joe got his start in raids. Mm-hmm. So the franchise to me has never been in better hands. I just like my impatience wants to know who the witness is so badly right now. You mean the disciple? Disciple. Yeah. You know what I mean, guys. It's been a really <laughs> it's been a really long 10 days. <laughs> I've played so much Destiny. <laughs> I, I'm I'm ardently looking forward to my vacation at the end of the month, where I, I will just have all of my devices turned off for about six or seven days. I look forward to not doing anything for those six or seven days. I will be in the Bahamas. I'm ready. He's ready. I'm ready, guys. And thank God xCloud does not have Destiny <laughs> on it anymore. Otherwise, I would probably be running some stuff with my backbone and my girlfriend would kill me. Um, I, I think that 
you look at what they're planning for the raid and let's dive into what they say here because of course we were all in pins and needles this week wondering what exactly were we going to get in the way of you know stipulations for saturday and the things that they are announcing here so what is the initial light level you need to be at uh contest mode as a reminder, caps all players at 20 power below each encounter of the raid for the first full 24 hours of the race. Artifact power is enabled, but only provides benefit up to the cap of 1530 power for contest mode. You'll want to reach 1530 power by Saturday to have a fighting chance in each encounter. Some gear items will be disabled for the duration of contest mode due to general issues that can provide gameplay benefits. These can be used in other activities. Perks and functionality on the following items will be nullified within Vow of the Disciple with additional negative impacts to power levels if equipped. The four weapons that they have done this to. Ikelos SMG. Ooh. Imperial Needle. Grand Overture, the uh, season pass exotic from this season. And Wardcliffe Coil, making its return with the long-fabled ammo glitch. Uh, and then armor and mods, uh, Worm God Caress Titan Exotic Gauntlets, Peregrine Greaves Titan Exotic Legs, and the Suppressing Glaive Artifact Armor Mod. Additional items may be disabled if issues are found prior to the start of the race. The final race, the final list will be published on Saturday morning. Um, I feel like there's probably still one or two armor pieces that will get nuked here. Yeah. Um, I feel like, in particular, there's another set of Titan Gauntlets that may get the may get the nuke, and I would not be overly shocked um, if they. Uh, I know for a while they were looking at Syntheseps. Um, I don't know if Syntheseps, if they were able to fix them on the back end, or they just deemed they weren't enough of a problem. I know that uh, Blackburn said that they were looking at that uh, a couple days ago. So, not really sure there, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a couple more armor pieces show up on this, mm. or a mod or two. Yeah. Um, but I think right now, this is pretty comprehensive. I had no idea Imperial Needle was causing problems. Um, I did know about Ikelos SMG, though. Uh, Ikelos SMG, for those who don't know, accidentally, and I suspect the same thing happened with Imperial Needle, accidentally got the plus 40% damage buff that Exotic Primaries got. Oh, uh, so yeah, that thing's been just fucking shredding. <laughs> I, uh, I have unashamedly been running it the last couple of days in, uh, some harder content and it's, it's been a godsend, but totally understand why that's getting nuked. Um, fingers crossed that they don't discover a sudden glitch with Gallarhorn <laughs> or a sleeper stimulant right now. Cause if so, uh, we're running out of options real fast for heavy DPS. Yeah. Uh, of course, completion, first team to complete all encounters, loot the final chest, return to orbit, gets to uh, world first. Uh, your boy is not going for worlds first. I will be happy with a completion before Tuesday reset. Um, if I get the completion on Saturday, which is the goal ultimately, cool. I'll be very happy. I'll get an emblem that I will probably, I hate the look of, but I will wear forever because it's bragging rights. Uh, just getting that, getting that completion though, in the, by the first week, uh, by the first week's reset, big deal. Of course, uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific on sun, on Sunday, 
the power levels will be re-enabled. Your artifact mod will be fully available. You can go all the way up to the pinnacle cap if you want to. Um, and all that will be enabled in the race, which makes me think that 1530 is probably the light level for the raid, period. Right. Um, that's what it sounds like to me, at least. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> but there's some loot that you can take home in this raid, too. You, you got the 24-hour emblem, of course, which I think it looks a little plain. I think a, a lot of my group has kind of shared it, but you have that prism effect for the first time there that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, on this emblem, as, as we're sitting here uh, looking through it, um, there is, of course, Bungie is going to stream it on Bungie.net, Bungie.net slash Raid Race. Um, they are going to be uh, kind of commentating on it. Professor Broman is going to be doing a uh, Raid Day tailgate. Uh, this went over really well for uh, Vogue, and I think he did for Deepstone. Uh -huh. It went over really well with the community, apparently, so... It's cool to see uh, him and Rec1568 hosting it. Um, and then there are the rewards that everybody else can earn outside of the first 24 hours. Uh, the Raid Jacket. If you complete it by reset on the morning of March 15th, you will unlock the offer to get this Raid Jacket. Um, I seem to be on an island alone that I actually really like this jacket. Um, A1 Johnny and his boys say they think that this thing is ugly as sin. Um, and to that, my response was, I've always wanted to look like a Florida retiree going to space, and this jacket's going to let me do it. Uh, I think this, uh, I actually really like the inside of this jacket a lot. Again, you've got that prism on the inside circle. Re really dig it, though. Um, as Damage noted on Twitter earlier this week, uh, this raid marks the occasion where there are some raiders who will now have a jacket for every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> if they've bought them all so far. Um, so the dados of the world, essentially. Right. Um, I, I genuinely do not hate this. I actually kind of like it. <laughs> I'm, just, but, I'm confused uh, at why it looks like you're going to go to Niagara Falls with this thing. So, okay, I was kind of wondering the same thing, but I think it's because it looks like we're starting off in a swamp yeah. and then entering the pyramid, so that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like you're going to go, like, fly fishing or something. I, I'm auditioning for fucking Crocodile Dundee over here with this thing, okay? I mean... Like, I, I'm okay with it, but, uh, yeah, I seem to be on an island. I think me, me, Joe, and Matt all think that this looks good, and we all like it. Um... But yeah, I think that this is a little bit of a harder sell than my Vault of Glass jacket was uh, to my girlfriend. There is also going to be a special reward if you complete it at any time this season. And it's going to be a raid pin, um, which is kind of in a uh, hexagon shape, it looks like. Um, I think that this is a really cool idea. They don't have the exact design up yet. They even say that... Um, Preview image will be provided later. Um, but if it's anything like this concept, yeah. Okay, I, I'm a sucker for my Triumph Seals. I'm going to get this. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is the Triumph Seal. Uh, Vow of the Disciple Raid Seal. Um, I don't know what the title... Off the top of my head, I don't know what the title is. It's probably in-game by now. I think I read somewhere that it's Disciple Slayer. And if that's true... Man, I may have a really rough year ahead of me to try and get this title. Because I think that sounds really cool. 
And then there's the emblem that everybody else will get, which I think is a really, really, really cool looking emblem. Um, you know, you look at it, you've got that circle with the prongs, which is also like repeating a lot of this imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the set, you've got seven points on there. It looks like, and multiple times, like it's just to represent like the seventh raid that they've, that they've done some of these mechanics in, uh, you've got the prism, of course, you got, you got the whole rainbow, the prism there. I mean, th- Bungie's also obsessed with the number seven. That they are, which makes this even more intriguing to me. Uh, I look forward to seeing what this raid is like. Um, is this really only the seventh raid? So, well, when I say seventh raid, I mean like seventh since they started like making a gigantic deal out oh, of this, like okay. streaming them on Twitch. I think really since Destiny got revitalized with Last Wish, right? She so got okay. Last Wish. You've had you've had Last Wish. You've had Scourge of the Past, The Crown of Sorrow, Garden of Salvation, Deepstone Crypt, Vault of Glass, and now Vow of the Disciple. I was going to say, I was like, uh, well, This is the 10th raid in Destiny 2. Well, 8th raid, technically. We did have two raid layers. Oh Let, my gosh, remember when they out. tried? Oh my gosh, those were... Hmm. Yeah, and then they just rebranded them as dungeons and we were all happier? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, prophecy was harder than those. Um, like while we're talking about raids, um, I told y'all a few weeks ago when we had a one Johnny, I would discuss my build as we got closer. Um, of course I'm a hunter main that kind of limits what I can do. Uh, it both limits and does not limit. This is the first time I've done a raid in like two and a half years where I have not had to go in as the divinity bitch. Uh, I'm actually ecstatic that Divinity is staying. <laughs> what are you in gonna do? <laughs> how do you Divinity even know how to not do that for the duration of this raid? Unless we just somehow figure out that it's super broken and we need to use it. How do you um, how do you even know what to do without Divinity? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not used to Tether actually working. Um, but Mobius Quiver is now like not so secretly not only the best debuff, but it's the best DPS super in the game right now. Um, like, and that's before everybody else starts piling their damage onto it. So I look, I mean, I, I told y'all our strategy when we did uh, Savathun on Legendary was stand in a well, we dipped in and out of a bubble, stood in a well, I shot my super, three shots with Mobius Quiver. And by the time I started shooting my sleeper stimulant, I was hitting crits for almost 800k. Like, you can't ask for much more than that on Legend mode. And so... I'm using that as a benchmark for what I'm expecting in the raid, being capped at about 20 below. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Those. Uh, that is my plan right now is to run Void 3.0. Um, I have a I have a nice little build set up, kind of around uh, suppre- like suppression and oppression. Really, um, it's just it's a continuous cycle. Of course, I'm running volatile rounds on my weapons, uh, running some elemental mods to uh, elemental well mods. To keep those uh, those void elemental wells going for everybody, because I know everybody's gonna be running uh, like glaives or funnel funnel web seems to be the weapon of choice right now for most of us because it's just recluse but boom. Uh, if you, especially if you have that uh, subsistence frenzy roll, that just seems to be a nightmare for everything else. Uh, I will personally be taking in, I'm taking uh, about four weapons, four or five weapons in each slot in, um, and I'm going to have a lot more infusion fodder in my vault or on my person to be ready to go. Um, 
my primary slot, I plan on starting out with Dead Man's Tail, uh, my Vorpal Dead Man's uh, with armor piercing rounds. I plan on starting out with that, uh, but I will have. Uh, God, I don't remember how to pronounce the name. Uh, Synopticon, I think, the Stasis Pulse Rifle that you can craft at the table. Uh, I'll be running that with uh, Headstone on it. Just, uh, you know, try and give us some of those Stasis shards for. Uh, we've got we've got a Warlock who's going to be running Stasis in there. Uh, I may even end up switching over to it for some encounters. That'll just benefit us constantly. Uh, plan on taking. I'll have Messenger in my back pocket. I don't really plan on whipping it out. It's just kind of there for moral support right now. Um, and my uh, Succession Sniper Rifle. Uh, I have the recombination perk on it. Really want to take that in with me. Uh, and Izanagi's is uh, leveled up and on standby. I have a feeling that Izanagi's may be a go-to for DPS on the final boss, depending on how long range the fight is. If it's something like Galran, yeah, we're going to be using snipers. Um, my secondary slot, uh, I'll be running in there with uh, Funnel Web, um, my Adept Uzume, from uh, from last season, I got that one with uh, Vorpal and Lead from Gold. Uh, plan on running that. I will not be taking my glaive along. Sadly, I will. My glaive and Osteostriga are going to be left in the vault. They will not journey this path with us. Um, Salvador Salvo though, uh, Uzme, Funnel Web, and I'm not really sure like what else. Icolos was going to be in my loadout. Can't do that. Not now. now. Not now. Uh, Dead Messenger may work its way into there for me, though. Uh, being able to switch between those three different grenade types is uh, a blessing. Uh, but I have a feeling that's probably going to need to be saved for uh, for champion mods of some sort. Uh, I've got anti-champion weapons prepared across the board. Probably going to take my uh, seasonal auto rifle uh, from this season in. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, the Crest? Uh, Crest? It starts nope. with a K. Nope, nope. That's the world drop. That's okay. the vice one. Yeah, uh, it's the one that drops from the uh, from the Cabal missions. Oh, from the, the Cabal battlegrounds one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, top of my head, I don't remember what that's called, but it's basically an arc version of Chroma Rush. Uh, it's a 720. It fires just as much as Chroma Rush. It's a mini machine gun, essentially. Uh, taking that sucker in with me, I've been running that in almost every activity. Uh, and then in my heavy 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 slot was pretty easy. I mean, I'm just taking the same four weapons I take everywhere. Uh, gonna have my Falling Guillotine on hand, gonna have my Royal Entry on hand, uh, taking, I, I may not be taking Gallarhorn, we have a few people who have volunteered to run it, so I feel okay leaving mine behind there, and, uh, of course, Sleeper Stimulants. Is it Sweet uh, so, Sorrow? Is that the auto rifle? Sweet Sorrow, that's probably the one. Yeah, I the, would say the yes. red, The red and blue one? I put a shader on mine, so yeah. I'm gonna go with your judgment, yes. Okay. Yeah, um, it's a good one. I like it. I like I like it a lot. It's, it's an art chroma rush. That's why I like it. Um, it reminds me a lot of Misfit. Uh -huh. Is what it does. Um, anyways, that's kind of a preview of what I'm thinking about running in there with. Of course, that can all change if we get certain weapon drops in there. You know, if something drops and it's really good, kind of hoping I get that stasis glaive to drop, um, and then just kind of go nutty with it all. Uh, I look really forward to seeing what's going to happen. But, yep, fingers fingers crossed for those raid exotics. We're all just, you know, out to have a good time. We're not out here, you know, trying to get worlds first. I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that I'm getting worlds first. 
Uh, there are people who are why not? Far, you don't far, know. far better at this game. Do what? I said, why not? You don't know. Uh, I do know. Um, <laughs> I I know the limit to what my my patience and my brain will allow me to do. Um, I I'm slightly dreading a scenario in which we have a Deepstone Crypt repeat where everybody realizes after Worlds First, oh my god, there is a new weapon out that makes this so much easier, and we all have to leave and farm that weapon during our meal breaks and then come back. <laughs> that is uh, that is just the fear in the back of my head right now. Um, is that, like, the exotic glaives unlock, and they're, like, so overpowered that we have to go get them right away. <laughs> um, that's just, God, that's, like, a worst-case scenario for me right now, I think. Uh, but I, I think that kind of just wraps on the raid. Uh, look forward to a special episode sometime early next week. Uh, you'll get, You guys will get it on either Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, me and a couple of the boys are going to get together and we're going to break down the raid. We're going to break down the encounters, the story behind the raid, the weapon and the, the weapon drops, the mod drops, the armor drops. If any of my wacky theories panned out, uh, we're, we're going to have fun. We're going to have a special raid episode for y'all so that Thursday can be business as usual. Sweet. So Sweet. Uh, and there's just a couple other like little notes in here. Uh, nothing major for the rest of the Schwab. Um, Wellspring weapon drop rates are going to be buffed next Thursday. Go get your um, hard light. <laughs> this has been the Wellspring has just been such a nightmare for anybody trying to progress the crafting quest line because that is required to start the exotic glaive. Yeah, it's just been it's been a nightmare. It changes every day, which I am, I'm actually thrilled about. I don't have to wait weeks at a time. But the drop rates are so abysmal. I think Joe ran something like 20 of these earlier and didn't get one of the grenade launchers to drop at all. That was kind of my experience yesterday. I ran uh, probably about seven or eight wellsprings, and I got two of the auto rifles to drop, but none of them had red borders on them. So they, I mean, okay, cool, delete, delete. Um, glad that this is being targeted for next thursday to push this out so that we can all progress on our exotic glaives mm -hmm. um ascendant alloys that's a patch that also needs to come out there's some gambit tuning uh they aren't changing anything right now but rest assured Gam they know gambit still sucks and they've heard all our complaints about it i can only hope that gambit gets sunset this year with how little attention they pay to it uh, like Corey said go get your hard light bundle you get an you get an ornament for hard, you get hard light, you get the ornament, you get a sparrow, you get a special project, projection for the season, and there's a special emblem included with it, too, this time. Yeah. So, go get all of that. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I have that hard light <laughs> uh, uh, ornament. I did. I was so excited, because I was like, ah, oh, they've been giving me all these ornaments I never had, and I had this one. I couldn't yeah. understand why everything else was there to claim, and not that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it is a old forsaken ornament. Yeah, there's also uh, I have this other weird ornament side tangent for a hard light. That's like this weird green like webbing. Yeah. And then I also have this like frozen over looking one. Oh, yeah. The Christmas one from a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man. Yeah, that is uh, that is man. That's about all we have that. That's all we have in the twab. The twab. Now, that's why I'm, now we can talk about the fun shit. We could. We got business out of the way. Now we can talk about fun stuff. We can yeah. talk about. Yeah. 
I, I told you last week, guys, we were going to dive in this week. We were going to talk some exotic quests. We were going to talk the, the exotic weapons. And we were going to start talking about the seasonal storyline. Um, th- there's so many secrets in this that, like, I don't think we can get to... We're not going to get to all of them this week. We're going to have to spread this hit out a little bit as we see how some of the quest lines unfold, especially. Um, let's start with... Let's start with this first exotic quest that you get as you finish the campaign of Queens and Worms, uh, I believe is what it's called. And th- yep. this is uh, this ties directly into a question that we were asked by our friend uh, and listener, Andre Wilson, over on Twitter. At Andre! You guys, you guys can get your questions and your comments read right here on this show. He goes, uh, question I have for you guys. Thoughts on the new exotic so far? On pesticide or parasite, dead messenger, and the SMG Ostiostriga. Let, let's start. Let's start with this wacky grenade launcher, Corey. Yeah, let's do it. I know that you haven't finished the quest line yet. No, but I. So just to, I I did watch a bunch of stuff on it today, just because like yeah. I mean, my time to play is on the weekend, and like a little side tangent, like I played a little bit this weekend, but like I introduced my nephew to Destiny this weekend this past weekend and uh you know he we had to go through like the entire like new light stuff like the dumb stuff but like he was really excited to play it so i sat with him for a while and played it and uh so i didn't really get to do <laughs> the witch queen type stuff that's all right so i i'm gonna finish it probably tomorrow but i watched enough stuff on it to where mm-hmm. i can talk about it and i think it's kind of cool Okay, so first off, I want to say this is one of my favorite quests I think they've ever done. It's so wacky and irreverent. You have this fucking worm talking to you. Like, the whole quest. It's like him, him, Mara, Ghost, and Finch are all talking to you at various different points. Um, The commentary that the worm provides, and especially when you get to the final mission, like, yeah, there's the usual, oh! go through the lost sectors and go find you know this crafting ritual table and of course starting down the path of doing this exotic is what unlocks the second strike um of the expansion and when you which is a really cool strike by the way you end up in like this city of darkness which i suspect we're going to see in the raid um it's all really really cool when this is happening and then when you start the final mission of this and you find out that the worm is dying, you have to pick it up and physically run through all of these portals through something <laughs> of a demented obstacle course that would make Star Horse grin pretty wide. <laughs> uh, while it's yelling at you. Don't let me die! <laughs> Carry me! carry you carry me and it is just i'm i'm laughing so hard i died so many times to these spinning spiky logs because i was just laughing so hard at what's happening it's this absolutely completely ludicrous thing though as it's unfolding that you have to do and you finally get to where you you get in you get it out you go through a portal you go to meet mara and uh, you think that Mara is going to take the worm for herself. That's how they very much have set up the quest line. Mm-hmm. 
And instead, she puts it into a fucking grenade launcher. And the worm's like, this was not part of the deal! Like, screaming and cursing <laughs> at both of you. Yeah. Basically. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. And then you wield it for the first time. And on the surface, you're like, okay, this thing's a little weak. It shoots basically danger close. Uh, what is the point of this? And then you start noticing that you've got like worm power times 10 or something in your lower left hand corner uh -huh. when that gets to 20 that's the where it maxes out at the next worm that you shoot is so fucking powerful it it was like one-shotting strike bosses i cannot possibly describe enough how quickly this was killing things like Ashladoon was dying almost instantly from this. Wow. This is the wildest thing I've ever seen. It is completely impractical. Because to get to that 20 kills, you can get them with any weapon. Right. Any weapon, uh, and I don't think abilities count, but any weapon. And then you have to stay alive long enough to be able to fire that. And then you still need to get out of there. Like, it's kind of useless after you fire off that one shot. But, man, I can't wait to see how many people are going to take this into the raid. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm like... not going to lie. I have it. I have in my back pocket ready to go but i don't want to waste infusion fodder on it just yet yeah it seems like it definitely seems like something that once you kind of get the raid down people are going to take this and try to like one maybe like one round the boss of a oh yeah i mean we, we've already had videos coming out this week of people one phasing atheon with glaives yeah so and with glaives uh, yes with glaives <laughs> Uh, Glad nearly killed the Ogre and Grasp of Avarice with a single shoulder charge. It had, like, maybe a tenth of its health left after one shoulder charge because of how he had it stacked up. Wow. Uh, there, there are just some, some fucking nutty things. Remember, kids, everything you see on Twitter or on YouTube is not always easy to replicate. Okay? Like, it, it's just, it's just not. Okay? <laughs> there are things happening that the, that most of us are just going to sit there and watch and be like, wow, that's cool. I'll stick to my three-phase plan. Thank you very much. Um, I look forward to seeing what this does, but I think what's more interesting is what this storyline about the worm reveals, because the worm holds memories of Savathun's. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Savathun was there at the Collapse. She was in the Darkness's fleet when the Darkness advanced on Earth and on Sol, and for some unspecified reason, she turned on the darkness and protected the Traveler. And that is just... You talk about revelations that shake the foundations of this game and that we're going to feel for a long time. This made this exotic quest actually feel meaningful in a way that most ones tied to expansions don't. Xenophage was a nice like addendum to Eris' personal quest, you know about her fire team and stuff. Salvation's grip was a little fun detour from everything, but it's ultimately a useless weapon, and it was a quest that didn't really matter. Mm. This this is fairly consequential. And we're, we're going to read the lore later tonight in Lore Corner, but I think that some of the storytelling that's done here is setting us up not just for the next expansion, but setting us up for seasons this year. I don't think we're, we're not done with the Throne World. We're going to come back to the Throne World for some of the seasonal stuff, I think. And they're going to find a way to keep this in the storyline all year long. And I think there's going to be investigations all year, too. Yeah. Um, and that would not shock me. But the fact that Savathun 
basically protected protected traveler during the collapse. That is just that is earth shattering news that we get in this. Yeah, I don't. I I saw this the day after finishing the campaign, and I still don't know how to feel about it. This is still like the wildest like the wildest piece of news I think I could have gotten out of this expansion. This is crazier than seeing the witness. This is crazier than finding out the truth about that the traveler chose to resurrect Sabathu. Now we kind of maybe understand why. It's like a combination of the traveler had picked the krill to bless initially, but also Sabathun had protected the traveler when the darkness came for it. Mm-hmm. Like, is there? There, there's just so much. There's so much here, and it's like when you couple this along with the two truths and the lie thing she does to you every week now at the altar of reflection, it's really causing you to think. Because one of the two truths and the lie that she told this week was, your destiny lies beyond the solar system. Truth? Hello? Like, we've only been screaming this for years. Right. Um, It's become more and more apparent than anything. I don't think we do it here. I think, if anything, this this and the two truths and the lie may be setting up for events past the final shape. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen here. This is crazy. Yeah, and this, this is, is absolutely crazy. But so I urge everyone who has not yet done the parasite quest line. It it looks intimidating. It's eighteen steps. So much of that is lost sectors and stuff. Go do it. I I urge you to go do it. It's very good story content. It's very good dialogue. It offers us a window into Mara that we seldom get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like you know we're gonna we'll read the lore card here at the end, but. I think that's just as consequential as the information we get during the quest line itself. Um, Mara reveals that she, you know, she'd heard from the darkness and from the witness before. And if she'd been shown a possible future, presumably she had been informed of it by Elsie or by the witness himself, that there is a scenario in which she falls and becomes a disciple of the witness. Mm Mm-hmm. And that she's she describes it as feeling almost like she's terrified of it in the quest line, but in the war she describes it as being she was almost relieved mm-hmm. in a way. But that she knows that you she specifically says that you know you and her still have roles to play in this story. And that is abundantly clear. I, I think we're getting a clearer and clearer picture that we probably do not get out of the light and dark saga without Marasov dying at this point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um I'm glad that we've had her for as long as we've had. She's taken on a bigger role than I think any of us could have ever dreamed when we first met her in Destiny 1. Uh, but even, like, House of Wolves and the intro to take I mean, we thought we lost her once in the Taken King. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, you know, look at all the stuff she's done to get back since then. You know, you read the Marasena book. You read, you know, all the lore of the Dreaming City. And, you know, you, you think take the Queen's Court visits into account from the Dreaming City cycle. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's happened since Shadowkeep, and it's like... Mara is a bigger and bigger player than we. Mara and Aldrin, really, Crow, but are both such huge players in this story. We never could have predicted this. Uh-huh. We never expected this. No. Um, so, Corey, any other thoughts on Parasite before we move on to what is probably my favorite new exotic of the expansion? Uh, I mean, I I think it's cool. I like the <laughs> instead of like the ammo thing, it's like a heart. It's like a heartbeat sensor. <laughs> Cool. It's really cool. You can pretty much see the worm breathing. Yeah. Which is great. I really hope we get a Christmas ornament for this, like we did Xenophage. Give the worm a little Christmas hat. Yeah. <laughs> they did it with Omar Aga. Please do it here. That's all I got to say. 
That's all we got to say. So moving on, Dead Messenger. Dead Messenger. Man, uh, the Vox Obscura mission is really cool. It, it is a seasonal uh, exotic quest, very much in the vein of Presage or Harbinger uh, in the way that it chooses to deliver its story. But it's a little bit different than those. We it, It's selectable in the throne world, but this mission takes place on Mars, specifically in the Destiny 1 exclusion zone. And that was very cool to load into and see. And I was like, oh, my God, we're we're back here. You have to enter the bunker exactly like you did in Destiny 1 and then fight your way out with interceptors. Fight it. And you realize you have a timer going. You have a five minute timer from the second you exit and you have to kill a tank. You have to kill a couple interceptors, um, basically a mini army. Uh, I think there's an unstoppable champion down there. And then you boost over to the next area. On your way to where the Black Garden would have been. And when you go over there, you see this giant cabal fortress and these towers. And Keitel is providing the commentary the whole time saying, you know, my my father always wanted these towers built. He always, re, you know, revered them. And we built, you know, the cabal built an entire base here without even the Vanguard noticing anything. Um, you're still on a timer. You've got shit shooting at you. You've got Threshers flying around. You've got multiple Goliath things. It is a really bad time unless you're in the Drake. There is one Drake. And let me tell you, you're going to have a real bad time if you're not the person driving said Drake. <laughs> the Interceptors do just nothing. They're like BB guns shooting at a tank. Wow. Um, you, 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 you make your way past that area, you, you do all that, you enter the base, and another timer starts at 10 minutes. It's, it's basically a time presage, is what it is. Mm -hmm. you, you fight your way through, you... you, you you kill the scions, you know, you upload the codes and you go into the boss arena, kill the boss, big, big, tall scion. And you go and you listen to the recording and the recording seems to change each week. We've gotten two different ones now and you're listening to it. And Keitel is seeing, cause it's, it's a message from scion. So it's an actual vision that she's receiving, yeah. not, not actual like spoken or written words. And she has an image. Uh, she has an image of callus put into her head, essentially leading legions of, armies for the black fleet and i and we could all surmise at this point callus has joined the black fleet yeah he has aligned himself i do think the seasonal story is probably pushing us towards finding out what callus's motives are you go into the treasure room off to the right and there's there's leviathan treasures in there mm -hmm. it's a leviathan chest that's in there and all this stuff you get the dead messenger, which essentially is hard light for breech-loaded grenade launchers, <laughs> uh, which is really cool, by the way. That's probably the coolest way I've ever described an exotic. Uh, there's a chance for an exotic sparrow to drop. I got it to drop in this week's mission, for example. But they're they're building a story each week, too. And I think when you get to your fourth time through is when you're going to fight the big boss. Yeah. Um, this is this is a really cool mission though. This when they said when we bring back if we bring back old areas, we want them to be different. We want to change them. If this is how you're gonna do it, bravo. I'm good with this. Yeah. This is cool. I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. I haven't got a chance to do it, but I'm looking at it right now. It looks cool. It, it's a very it's a very cool mission. It can be a little tense your first time or two through until you really kind of learn the lay of the land. Right. I mean Anything with a uh, so timer your first time through is, like, really tense. Oh, yeah, we, we've got it down to be, a, like, a 10, 12-minute run now. Yeah. Uh, total, if that. And it's it, it's it's a fun fight, I would say. I, they are doing a master difficulty, which I look forward to seeing. 
Um, and there is a Cabal-themed ghost shell you can get from doing it on Master, I believe. Um, but, like, these, these are the kind of missions we talk about. You know, we, we've talked with such reverence over the last year about Harbinger and Presage. And these are, the, and I mean, even Aegir Scepter. I, Aegir Scepter was even a really good exotic quest. I, you know, Salvation's Grasp, Grasp was a really cool exotic quest. These are the kind of things I want to do for exotics. I don't want the weapons to be just handed out. I would prefer to earn them this way. If you want to give me one at the end of the campaign and like tie some to the raid or the dungeon, okay, cool. I would prefer to earn them in a mission though, and I realize it takes so many resources to do this. But I will always take a mission like this, or Whisper, or Outbreak, or you know Harbinger, or Presage, over the RNG of getting fucking Cloud Strike to drop in Empire Hunts, or you know having to go and buy something from Zur. Uh, I will take this anytime. I think that's indicative of where the game is. It's indicative of trying to embrace it as an MMO and as an RPG and not just an FPS. Well, let's let's keep cooking. Like if I can if I can getting this in addition to raids or and or dungeons every season, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. This mission's going to be up all year long. It, I, it's a seasonal thing, so it's not going to stick around after this. But it's a really cool mission for right now that I encourage everybody to run and do without haste as soon as possible. Uh, the third exotic we were asked to talk about, and I'm excited to hear Corey's thoughts on this one is the Osteostriga SMG, which is locked behind the deluxe version of the game right now. So if you just bought the standard $40 one, I'm sorry. Uh, you will probably get it next season, like No Time to Explain came out the season after. Uh, for everybody, as long as you completed the campaign, you got a really easy quest to go get it. Osteostriga, though, this is... I'm a little surprised this wasn't banned for day one. You can do some nutty damage buildup if everybody is running this and has the catalyst unlocked. You can do some absolutely nutty damage. You're, I think Joe's magazine was up to like 125 shots or something. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like it, it's so like it's it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I I think it's awesome. But like, man, this is like, <laughs> oh boy, this is. Uh, I bet they're looking at this right now. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's just, man. I would not be surprised if this ended up on the list of things that get nerfed before Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I bet it does. I bet, I bet, I can't believe there hasn't been like a hot fix right now, honestly. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's cool, right? I mean, like, it's, it's got that, uh, that poison effect. Right? Mm -hmm. So I mean I think that's cool. I mean that's it's, something it's we don't. It's thorn really... in the body of an SMG. Yeah, I was gonna. I was, I was thinking that, but like it's just like we don't see weapons like that. Like the poison stuff is something that you would think would be like some sort of subclass or something that would be available in more weapons or whatever. But it's just like no, it's just this weird thing that only exists in like a couple things, right? And that's what makes this weapon so intriguing. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be a, a weapon of sorrow, right? It's supposed right. to come from the same family as Thorn. I will be really curious to see, because I've thought for a while that we're getting a fifth subclass. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, I share that, that thought before. with a lot of people. And that I think it's going to be based around effects like this. And I think them testing things out with Osteostriga, with giving Lamonarch a catalyst, I think these are all approaches to okay how can we do this i think that void void suppression and especially hunter smoke are things they're looking at real closely like if we're going to build a whole vapor class how do we do it mm -hmm. 
Um, and that may very well be why it's not in the game now. Um, we know they said they basically had to choose between are we going to do another subclass or are we going to update all the light ones. I would not be shocked to see this subclass get teased at like us get the maybe the initial abilities even. Yeah. Uh, in the final season of the year, and then boom, when Lightfall comes out, here you go. Here's the full. Here's the full tree. Here's the fragments and the aspects and things like that. Right. Um, if there was a story reason behind it, at least I just think it's very weird that Stasis is the only one that we're going to get. That just that's very awkward to me. Yeah. Um, I think Austria Sugar is really cool. I like that we can upgrade it at the crafting table. It costs a fucking arm and a leg to do anything there. Yeah. With it. But it is really cool. Like, I mean, how many times are you really going to go recraft an exotic, right? Right. That's where you need the three Ascendant Alloys for, is for this gun in particular. This mm-hmm. gun and the, for any enhanced traits, which enhanced traits are essentially like masterworking the gun. You're just masterworking the traits instead. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as high on Osteostrigo as a lot of people. I've been running it a lot. I mean, mine's up to like level 16 or 17. Uh, I think my glaive is at like 23. Yeah. I'm not running these nearly as much as other people that you know are in our playgroups or especially other content creators. Uh, that doesn't mean I think it's bad. Uh, I just have so many primary weapons that I like right now. Right. You know, of course, I've got you know my trusty messenger and Chrome Rush and Peacebound that go with me. But you know, I fall in love with some of the new auto rifles. I really like the Gambit auto rifle. The you know the Saros poles. Like there, there's so many weapons I want to use. I'm kind of relieved that I don't love this gun more than I do. Yeah. I, I really like this. Yeah, that's just me being selfish. Like it had to be good. Like just like no time to explain had to be good. Yeah. Otherwise, why the fuck make this a Why? Why make this a deluxe edition thing initially? Yeah. But it can't be so good that it breaks the game. Yeah. So, um, that's just, that's kind of my general thoughts on these weapons. I, I think all three are viable and have their places. Mm-hmm. I, like Parasite's probably the least useful, but it's really fun. It's a really good quest, though. Like I think what it makes up for, and you what it doesn't have in everyday utility, uh-huh. it makes up for with an awesome with an awesome mission chain. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, what was that stasis exotic we got during the Beyond Light campaign after the main campaign? What was that? It, it's it's Salvation's Grip. Yeah, it's the one that we make fun of all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, just. This kind of reminds me of something like that, where like, oh, it's cool. It does something cool, but how often are you going to use it? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and that's that's kind of how I feel about that. I like Dead Messenger a lot, despite not liking uh, breach loaded grenade launchers a whole lot. I think this is a really good one. It, sh- I mean, come on, it shoots out three f- three flames at the same time. Mm-hmm. That automatically makes it the best option for people like me who are just terrible with them. Um, and then, of course, Osteostriga. I mean, I'd probably work backwards. I'd go Striga, Dead Messenger, Parasite in terms of usefulness. But then you flip them. What's the most rewarding to get? It's Parasite, then Dead Messenger, then Striga. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. St- uh, Dead Messenger is just a good all around thing. It's good all around. It's a, it's a great mission. It's a great gun. Has an awesome ornament in the shop. They're going to get they're going to get seven bucks from me in a couple weeks. Um, but Yeah. Any any last thoughts on exotics, Corey, before we take a breather and then move on? No, let's let's do it. Ugh. Okay. Well, in the interest of saving some things uh, for next week, we're, we'll discuss. We're going to discuss you know one or two more of the secrets. I want to take some time to uncover more of the secrets of the throne world. Um, 
after I hit I hit the level cap fairly quickly, um, fifteen fifty at least. Um, I had it hit right before first reset uh, of the week, not of the day, obviously. Uh, first weekly reset. I kind of pulled back this week, knowing that I'll be in the raid a lot on uh, oh. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, both completing it myself and getting our standby reserves for the raid, uh, getting them a completion so that they can earn their jackets if they want to. Um, the secrets that they've hidden around the throne world. Like, let's talk about these for a minute. Yeah, let's do it. I'm always finding something new. Always. And I encourage anybody who hasn't done this already to unlock tier three deep side as soon as possible because tier two and tier three deep side unlock so many deep side puzzles. And it's not always just like, Oh, jumping up to a chest. It can be like, uh, there's runes that you have to shoot. There's puzzles you have to solve. You have to, you know, look at the witch queen logo and things like that to unlock a door in the Sabathun's memory. Those are more the ultra reflections, but there's a lot of stuff like that. That's just hidden around. And you know, there's lore tied to it. There's rewards tied to it uh, until this afternoon. Tier 3 Deep Sight was the easiest way to farm Reputation and Engrams with Finch. You get 200 a chest opening the same chest over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I took advantage, full advantage of this. Of course. Uh, if, if, there's a, if there is a Reputation exploit that I can take, it's going to be that. <laughs> Especially because when you get to 30, you are guaranteed Throne World weapons every time that you level up. And crafting materials. That's a big deal, but that's also how you, you, know, you unlock the weekly replayable story through that, which is another pinnacle and a tier one powerful. Uh, you unlock Wellspring and higher difficulty Wellspring through this. Uh, there's just there's so much to do in this throne world, and with you know the Lucent Hive executioners running around, the new public event, which is very Overwatch esque. Uh, I I'm gonna have to guard that stupid fucking little triangle ship in the raid and i'm already mad about it because there's you can't throw up a barricade to protect you you can't pop a bubble because the bubble doesn't move with it you can't pop a well because the well won't move with it i'm not looking forward to having to stay with this thing i'm gonna have to continually just like dodge and dodge and dodge to stay invisible and stay alive with this and i don't like it at all um it's fair there yes. are <laughs> there's investigations you can do uh you can scan scorn corpses and follow the murder trail essentially to a pile of debris and then keep following it and you'll find a uh, hive guardian at the end of it you'll find a bunch of enemies and once you kill them and you go up to where the trail ends a hive guardian will pop up right in front of your face and you're like oh god panic supering them <laughs> or da danger close firing your rockets like i have panic supers are the worst by the way <laughs> uh, panic, super panic supers are the worst when you realize that you ran well or bubble yeah <laughs> Definitely, uh, bubble is uh, definitely popped that a few times. Uh, also, uh, yeah, 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 it's funny. Good times, panic super. Oh god, panic supers are the worst. Uh, you 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 have things like that. There are there's a lot of mysteries. Like the lost sectors actually feel like. Their sectors that you're going, you're not just running in, clearing enemies, and running back out in two minutes. There's like you actually have to go through the whole process of doing them, and there's there's mechanics in a couple of them. There's actual things you have, you have to stand on fucking plates and fight off two different types of enemies who were fighting each other, but now they all just want to kill you. Hmm. Um, there's another one where yeah, you can pretty much just 
go straight through that one, but there's a whole bunch of hallways and twists and turns you have to take there, etc. And I don't really remember the third one, to be frank with you. I've done it one time. <laughs> uh, but regardless, you can get these new, you can get the new exotics to drop out of there or any of the ones you missed during uh, the Beyond Light year of expansions. I just thought uh, every time that I go in there, I feel like I'm finding something new. I, I'm finding a moth to collect, uh, which all go in the cave behind Finch, which is really adorable. Um, I'm finding moths to collect. I'm finding, uh, I'm seeing memories of Sabatoon with two truths and a lie, solving the puzzles in her fucking head. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which, God, dude, is there any worse puzzle than the the six circular things that you have to walk oh around and gosh. look at and shoot correctly. Is there anything in this game uh, more I hate tedious those. than that? Oh my gosh. I did some of those with Mitch the other day and I was just like, Oh my God, what are these? I'm like, dude, if you want to do these, that's fine. I want to go shoot stuff. And since we were in a fire team, he just did it because he's better at solving puzzles than I am. So I yeah. was just, you know, shooting stuff. There is also, uh, because there's a whole page labeled secrets. Mm -hmm. There is uh, one triumph there that you have to close darkness rifts. And I wondered what that meant at first. And then I figured out there's these little green wisps that you'll see. There's one in each sector. One in e There's one in each patrol area. There's one in each lost sector, I believe. And there's a couple scattered in like other areas you can walk to. Like the, uh, not fluorescent canal, but whatever's next to it. I think there's one in Queens, Bailey... There's probably one in Sabathun's mind. We suspect the final one is in the pyramid itself, in the raid. But to shoot those, you have to first damage yourself with Parasite to get Worms, uh, not Worms Hunger, but Worms Fury or something like that. And then pull out any other weapon and shoot the Wisp. And that's how it closes. Wow. Who comes up with this stuff? Bungie. I want to know who came up with this because I'm upset with you. I want to know who came up with this. <laughs> I'm upset with you. Don't worry. I was trying to figure out how to shoot these things because they say immune if you shoot them. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And then somebody on Twitter or Reddit was like, so damage yourself with the... Who thought to shoot themselves <laughs> with the word worm grenade launcher and then look up and shoot this thing with a hand cannon? Who thought to do that? And then who figured out what the right order was? Like, oh, do I need to do it with this hand cannon or what? <laughs> right. God, we're all going to have to take it into the raid now in case there's one there so we can just get it, wow. get it out of the way. It's going to be during a Sparrow race. Just wait and see. You're going to have to, like, get it, and then you're going to have to wipe because you don't have enough time, and there's, pro I don't know, probably some ether ball chasing you instead of a giant void one this time. <laughs> or a giant solar one, excuse me. Um, there's so many wacky things with this throne world, though, and it really plays into this whole theme of Sabathun is the god of lies and trickery. Right. And I love it. I, I, I love it so much. It's great. Puzzles. Puzzles. This is what you get when you put the raid designers in charge of the campaign, so please do this always. Please don't ever remove whoever had the genius ideas for this campaign. Andrew Hops, we love you. Please keep him in charge of all the future campaigns for as long as he wants to be there. Like, and then poach his protege from raid developing to come do them. Uh, because this is just, it's too good to say no to at this point. It truly has become one of those situations. Uh, but I think what's arguably more impressive than the Throne World Secrets is Season of the Risen being so integrated with 
the story of Savathun as a jumping off point. Yeah. You know, if, if you played it last week, you know there there was a cutscene in the hangar that starts out that quickly introduces you to the main players of the season. Mm-hmm. You're there, Zavala's there, Crow is there, and Keitel is there, mm-hmm. as well as Lord Saladin. Yeah. You, you've got the main players right there. Yeah. And when you're when you're having these interactions with Keitel in the cutscene, you know, she she's pissed because you basically eliminated a small army of hers on Mars. Yeah. Well, and they should have been shooting at her, me. That, they, right, they shouldn't have been shooting. I don't feel bad when I go and rerun that mission. No. I don't feel bad. No, you walk over there. You they walk over there to like it. take, you know, do whatever you need to do, and they just start shooting you. What are you supposed to do? Just let them shoot you? Just let them kill you? No, no. It's not great. It's Why wouldn't she be in a good leader and tell him to stand down? Dude, I'm saying she finally does when you do the Europa mission in the campaign. Um, yeah, but that's like five missions I, in. I know, right? <laughs> you, uh, you're going through this, and you know you do the Psyoth Battlegrounds, and it's cool. I like that they changed it up from last season. What might be the most interesting is we had one of the sandbox leads come out and say the things that you can do while you're holding the synaptic spear mm-hmm. is reminiscent of what they're aiming for with Arc 3.0. Please, God, answer John and I's prayers that you rework one of the three different arc staff supers into giving me a fucking javelin of light to throw. Be awesome. I would run that class forever if I could throw a single javelin with like 300k damage. <laughs> I'd never run anything else. Let me let me throw it at something and it'd be sticking out of them doing continuous lightning damage for like five to ten seconds. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's... that would be so cool. And like just the, the way you move while you're holding the spear, the thing, the different moves you can do with it, it, it's all very interesting. It's all very you know high speed based, which I think you know a, a class where you're using lightning probably should be based around speed and movement. Yeah, you know if void is around you know like shielding and um, invisibility and stuff, you know stealth, cloaking, etc. I think that's what Arc should be in Solar, like they said, should be a pillar of not just burn damage, but of healing. And, man, if if Arc 3.0 plays as good as this little preview does, I'm really excited for it for once as a hunter. I may actually use an Arc class for the first time in eight years of Destiny. So, you know, fingers, fingers crossed on that front. I think the more interesting thing that we get is this season's or this week's storyline last week's was it was good you got the vox you got the vox uh mission which kind of was an addendum to the to the weekly story that we had this week it centers much more on crow and saladin uh crow pities the hive that have been captured and that we're invading their minds with the scion he thinks that it's unethical he thinks it's wrong And he reveals that Zavala thinks the same, but Zavala realizes it's for the greater good. Crow isn't so sure. In his words, you know, they may be hype, but they're light bearers, and we're doing this to them. We're destroying their ghosts, and he's really taking the humanitarian stance, and Saladin is like, fuck you, kill them all. Fuck you, man. (laughs) The cutscene we get this week of Lord Saladin, though, really sheds a lot of light on why he's the way he is. Yeah. Um, you, know, you find out about his past as a warlord, or not even as a warlord, he was an iron lord, but yeah. he came to a village and they, they've been getting attacked. You know, they've been getting attacked, they've been getting raided, 
he comes across a girl out in the woods who has some of the stolen goods and whatnot. And she says, you know, she's being forced to steal by this bandit group and this and that. So Saladin takes off his Iron Lord's medallion, which looks exactly like the Iron Banner tokens that we have, by the way, hint, mm-hmm. hint, puts it around her neck and says, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about this anymore. As long as you wear this, you're under the protection of the Iron Lords. And he goes to the bandit's base and slaughters all 38 individuals inside and gives everything back to the to the to the people and this and that. And then he departs. Mm-hmm. He comes back several winters later and the town has been burned to a crisp and there's graves for all the people and he's going like what the fuck like what happened here and then he comes across that fortress and the girl is there wearing the medallion and saladin again kills everybody he wipes them all out he wipes out all the bandits and finds out that she's the leader of the bandits and she shows no remorse and he shows no remorse as he does what he has to do. And he shares that story with Crow in the most vulnerable moment I think we've ever gotten from Saladin easily. Yeah. Um, and it really continues this trend of we're finding things out about these characters and you know, these realizations and these journeys that they're on. We said last year in the lore, in a lot of lore corners, that we felt like we were really finally getting the build up to Saladin. Right. We're finally really getting his story and I think that we've been misled in a lot of ways. Like, we've been told that, oh, this is about Keitel finding out the truth and this and that. And I do think that's part of it. I think that's the Vox Obscura missions. Yeah. But I think overall, this may end up being a journey about Saladin and Crow. Crow is really his protege in a lot of ways. And I think that we're kind of seeing the way that Crow storms off when all this happens, that Crow's kind of the best of us. He's naive, but he's the best of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, we talked about this last year about how destiny raises these questions about, you know, it was raising questions of, you know, racism, of xenophobia, of, you know, I, I, of, you know, consolidating those who are lesser than, you know, into racial, racially assigned ghettos, so to speak. Um, you know, it, it kind of tackles apartheid in, a, in some ways, like, it's uh, it ta- you know tackles injustice and it did all these things during you know chose Slicer and the lost and they haven't lost any of that 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 journey is not lost on crow and he's here to remind you that this is what we went through and that this is what we have fought for for so long and he goes even if it's the hive i don't know that i can be this barbaric letting somebody invade another light bearer's mind and I'm curious to see how this evolves over the course of the next, you know, 10 to 12 weeks. Um, very curious to see how this evolves. But right now, it, it's proving, I think, why Crow is one of the most interesting characters. You know, he goes from, you know, being a part of these stories that are representing those themes to another one that I think you can chalk up to, you know, who is who is worthy to inherit the mantle? Um, who is, what is, what is good? What is right? What is wrong? What is evil? Um, you know, can good people still do bad things? Can bad can bad individuals still do good things, even heroic things? Mm-hmm. You know, the, these are questions we have to ponder. These are moral quandaries that I think Season of the Risen is forcing us to confront this early on, especially with the Saladin cutscene. Right. And just what we see and what we continue, the journey that we continue on with that, and that I think that there's 
I think there's going to be a topic of consent that comes up in this season. Because, and I don't mean like, oh, so like sexual consent, but like consent of, you know, you are, they're forcing their way into these, these hive minds, right? The scion is basically brute forcing his way in and they've already had their ghost destroyed and cut off from the light and all this. What, like you've severed their connection. Like what is, ha what is happening? What is going on here? And it's only, I think it's only a matter of time until Aldrin basically demands to be hooked up to the machine himself because he does know about his old life now. Right. And that's clearly been eating away at him. Right. How long does it take for him to do something stupid? <laughs> yeah. And does that lead to a showdown between him and Saladin? Yeah. Again, all questions that we have to sit here and actually ponder ourselves. So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the story kind of unfolds this this season. I'm I'm really anything. I mean, we haven't we haven't even really dealt with Crow since you know really season of the hunt, right? I guess uh, or or chosen, I guess. Oh, no. chosen. I mean, I think I, Crow. So here's the thing: like, even though Crow are definitely took a back seat during Splicer, he he was a major part of Chosen. Yeah. And I would argue he was a major part of Lost, you know, where he, because Savathun plays those mind games with him. And, you know, we, we forget because it was a six month season that he was demanding for those weeks, you know, to be let in on Mara's plans and to see Savathun and this and that. And she was like, no, we have to keep you separate. You are thinking of her as Osiris. That is not Osiris you're talking to. That is the god of cunning and deception. Yeah. And we forget because it's such a long season, and I think we can all be forgiven for that. It feels like we haven't had a story beat with him in a hot minute. Yeah. Because, I mean, those events happened five months ago. Yeah. You know, five, six months ago now is when those happened. That, that was happening, like, in early October. Yeah. So I, I think when we take all that into consideration, like, it very much feels like the seasonal storylines are going to follow Crow in a lot of ways. Like, there's going to be other conflicts that are introduced, you know, like Splicer, we took a break from him, but he was still involved in the lore there. Mm -hmm. And we know where he was during that also. Right. He he was one of the emissaries to the Cabal and was officially appointed as one to help uh, Zavala and to be mentored by Saladin in the aftermath of Splicer and of Savathun's revelations and Lost and things like that. I... I don't know if there's anybody better for Crow to be following than Lord Saladin. No, right definitely now. not. Um, but I think that this this cutscene did something that hasn't been done for me for, with Lord Saladin's character in a long time outside of the occasional lore entry. You know, we read all the Iron Banner uh, armor lore last season. We read, of course, Empty Vessel, um, and we read the the book from the the Tales from the Front during season of the Chosen. Saladin has become a much more sympathetic figure, I think, over the last year. In a way that Rise of Iron, like, yeah, you felt bad for him, but it was like, eh, this is a pretty tacked-on DLC. I don't actually care about the Iron Lords. I just Saladin is sad because his friends are dead and he hates a machine. Like, that didn't really give me an emotional connection there. No offense to anybody who really likes Rise of Iron, but there's a reason why I don't hold it in as high of regards as everyone else. Right. This cutscene did more for me than that entire expansion did in terms of making me care about Saladin's character. And about his story. And I, I was getting messages from our friend from our friend Johnny 
asking, okay, when do we get an Iron Lord spinoff game? Like, when do we get this? And I was like, I, I don't think you get a game. I do think if they ever go the comic or anime route again, which feels a given, mm-hmm. that you're going to get some sort of media project showing Saladin's past. Yeah. It's, it's just laid out too perfectly at this point not to do it. There's a demand for it. Right. There's plenty of characters that we all know at this point. You know, him, Fellwinter, um, Ephrodite. We know that we know Sal or Zavala came across him at one point. Yeah. We know him and Shaq's butted heads. Like, yeah. what, what happens at this point? But I think one of the other big things about this is this reveals that there are other settlements on Earth besides the last city. Yeah. Now, whether those settlements still exist is another question entirely, but I think that that's one of the bigger things is he didn't direct them to go towards the last city. He just, you know, flat out came back and murdered the bandits. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how the Cabal play into this, though. Because right now, it just seems that we're using their science. Where is my Cabal backup, I was promised? I haven't seen one fucking drop pop. Yeah, I thought that was going to be out. like a, uh, like some sort of, like, once you complete like one encounter, you trigger something, right? And you have to like hold down X or whatever, and then it'll they'll just appear. I mean, I feel like that's probably I feel like it's probably coming from master mode hmm. of these, or that there will be like there's almost certainly going to be like a fourth one. They'll show up like the overrides or something like a final battleground, and ah, here we go. Now they're in all of them or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, the, it feels like something that's coming. But I'm very curious to see how they play this out, because that's what's got me the most excited here. Um, that and the fact that I can run around with the Colossus uh, machine gun, which I have not used yet. I have not used Grand Overture yet. Oh. Uh, but I hear it's really fun. It is fun. I've been using it. it it's like a... <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of Xenophage in a way, but like... I don't know. It's, it's similar, but different. It definitely... Uh, Definitely when you aim down sights, it shoots <laughs> way different than when you shoot it, like, from the hip. Right. But. I, I Maybe I'll play around with that after I get done with the raid. I'll, mm-hmm. uh, I'll have to take it into some, uh, I don't know. I was going to say Expunge. Expunge doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I'll go take it into some Wellspring once they patch the drop rates. Yeah. And just use it in there. I'll be an absolute menace, just being completely non-useful to my team. Yeah. Um... So I, the seasonal story, I think, you know, that's that's going to be an interesting progression to watch over the course of the year. Uh, as a reminder, there was supposed to be a ship that was going to drop from the Exorcism of Sabathun, and they couldn't figure out how to make it drop. So it has actually been added, and it's a War Table drop now. The next time that you log in and go to the War Table, it should give you a prompt to claim it. Mm-hmm. If you did the Exorcism mission, I believe. I don't think they're giving it to just everybody. Mm-hmm. But it has the Exorcism, it has like... You know, you exercise Savathun's worm, but she got away, and this and that. And like, oh, well, that's interesting. Thanks for telling us that. Neat. Glad that this is still marked for last season. Yeah. Um, but Corey, any any final thoughts on where we are in the first two weeks of this season? Saladin, Crow, the big creepy scions. I mean, my my only thing is, is like, I'm really interested to see because I. I really like Lord Saladin a lot, and I want to see... Yeah. I just want to see what's going on and what happens, you know? 
So. Yeah, I, I think seasonal storylines are a great way to give those characters that don't really get the shine in the major expansions mm-hmm. their moments. It's what turned a lot of us back to Zavala. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, Zavala is actually a really fascinating character. Yeah. It's like Anna Bray evolved as a character, you know, yeah. Saint Fourteen and Osiris, and now you know, I've got we got a whole season with the future War Cult for God's sake. Yeah, we did. Like, um, you know, we we got Mithra Mithrax in the flesh, <laughs> in the in the flesh in the in the splice i, I don't know what you want he's he's both call. he's got a little bit of both he he's both he's got a, he's got that hardwired flesh hardwired flesh title of the episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> i really 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 like where they're going so far though i think it's an interesting conversation and uh i'm looking forward to seeing more of that uh cerebro ass room in the back of the helm we're finally seeing what's back there yeah um so uh, i mean i guess with that should we head to the lore corner corner? let's do it lore corner lore corner of course a brand new expansion we have plenty of lore to get through plenty of um i have to read the lore books to make sure i don't accidentally read truth to power 2.0 out loud and treat it as fact because they really got me with that first Osiris entry, and then I started reading the other ones after that. I was like, oh, these are all lies. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot. But I don't think they're from Sabathun this time. I think that they're from uh, The Witness. Yeah. So That's how they get you. Uh, the first one we're going to read, uh, like I said, we're, we're going to cover two of our exotics that we had uh, that we talked about today. Uh, Parasite's going to be the first one. And this, I think, is actually super important for the future of this entire franchise. Um, Guardian. Transparency is not a strong suit of mine. Undoubtedly, this comes as no surprise. However, our misadventures, let's call them, with the parasite, have left me with a recurring ambivalence in regard to said transparency. As a result, I feel as though you are deserving of a more appropriate level of access to my thoughts surrounding recent events. In my previously mentioned vision was the Witness's one truth, an eternity of darkness in which I serve as a disciple. It brought me on an overwhelming feeling I previous relate, previously relayed to you as fear. But in actuality, it was fear born of what I felt most within this vision. Gratitude. Gratitude. As if my place alongside the witness was meant to be a reward for all I have ever done and ever will do. And if the witness is to be believed, all I ever will do is unbecoming, to say the least. It is moments like these wherein I wonder if I myself should be put to rest to avoid perpetuating these dark truths but I have never before wavered from righteousness and I don't intend to begin now. With that, you should know that while our revealed truths about Sabathun and the Collapse appeared minimal, I've already used them to begin tracing a trail of evidence that may provide us with the power of preservation in the oncoming storm. When the time is right, we will have further parts to play together. In the meantime, keep the parasite near and listen close. It's bound to open its mouth again sooner or later. Marasov, Queen of the Awoken. Uh, so the first thing to point out is when she says that the parrot keep the parasite near, it will talk to you. It does fucking talk to you in the wellspring, and it's really creepy. It can it can say the beginning and the closing dialogue uh, in there, and it's really like and it actually actively is encouraging you. It says the words, you know, uh, leave fire team behind, leave the throne world, join the darkness. Yes, uh-huh. it's very Varix esque in the way it talks with its. Uh, it, how, and how deliberate it is when it talks. It really reminds me of Varix in a lot of ways. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if it was the same voice actor. Yeah. Um, but I think what's most alarming here is that Mara's had a vision of her becoming a disciple of the Witness. And we know that in Elsie's dark future, 
uh, Eris reveals herself as the true witch queen and kills Marasov. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to wonder if something like that is coming. Yeah. But when I said earlier that I feel like Mara is marked for death, this, I guess pretty clearly, like, Mara's going to die. Yeah. She's, she's going to have to make a choice eventually. And I, I do think she's going to die to protect Crow. Yeah, that's where I was going to, that's where I was going. I was, she's, it, she's, she loves her brother, even though like he doesn't really know who she is anymore. Right. I mean, I, she's going to. Right. Right. I mean, since, I mean, we read since, that in, we since, read that in the final uh, lore from last season too. Yeah. But I mean, even, even since vanilla D one, right. When you do, when you go to the, her, her, throne or whatever and he's kind of like hanging out with her like you can still tell that they're like super close you know yeah i mean they've lived thousands of years together now at this point and uh they're they're, i mean they're they're twins yeah they're 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 twins yeah and i think that's one of the most fascinating things about this storyline is like she she's going to do the inverse of what aldrin did during the taken king he right. led the Awoken fleet and the fighters and basically sacrificed himself to give her time against Oryx. Yeah. And we believed him dead. He spent years searching for her, got corrupted by Riven in the process, created the score and all this and that. And so, I mean, we're still suffering from the consequences of Uldren's actions trying to find Mara. And mm-hmm. I do think that she sets it right eventually. And I don't know if it's if it's going to be this year or if it'll be in light. I feel like it's coming in lightfall. Mm-hmm. If it comes anywhere, I think it's coming in lightfall. Mm-hmm. It's very ominous when she says she has. There's still roles for her and you to play together. Mm-hmm. This is involving the guardian more and more in the actual lore of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, it's been pretty much established the guardian that we play as is one of the most powerful beings to ever exist in the universe. Yeah. We technically have the throne world of Oryx, but we've rejected it. Yeah, we didn't claim it as our own. If we claimed it as our own, we'd be the most powerful being in the universe at this point. Yeah, but we've slayed multiple gods at this point. We've fought multiple different entities of dark and light themselves, and uh, you know, leaders of conquests and everything, and all their lieutenants and peons and everything in between. Mara knows more than she's letting on, and I suspect that she's had contact with Elsie and knows more about the future than she cares to admit. Yeah, and I think Mara has come kind of the realization that we have that. The dark future has not been averted. It has merely been delayed right now. Right. Yeah. There is still a part for Aramis to play. Sabathun is not dead. There is still something with Eris to come. So, uh, the second one that we're going to read tonight is Dead Messenger. And this, uh, this is, I, I don't think this is like really big lore wise, but this is fascinating, I think, for how Vanguard Ops play out occasionally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the flavor text is a gift for the empress who has everything. <laughs> Keitel and Zavala stood side by side, watching a live feed of the Guardian's assault on the Scion transmission facility, as broadcast by Amanda Holiday's circling aircraft. The Guardian ducked behind cover and pulled out a sleek grenade launcher recovered during their last assault of the base. They fired into a pack of onrushing war beasts, sending sh- shrapnel hurtling through the air. The Kapal Empress emitted a low rumble as she admired the weapon. Zavala looked up at the enormous ruler with raised eyebrows. His gaze was fixed on the firefight, her eyes twinkling with violent ardor. The vanguard vanguard commander shut off the open comms and cleared his throat. Would you like me to send you one of those grenade launchers? I can have Banshee create a cabal-sized version for you. 
Kaida looked down at the awoken leader, suddenly aware that her avarice had been on display. She lowered her tusks, which the commander interpreted as equivalent to a blush. That would be most welcome, Commander, Kaido <laughs> replied. I'd like to fire it into Zivu Arath's belly and bathe in her soul fire. Oh, God. Zavala turned back to the screen. You have a passionate spirit, Empress. He did not see it, but beneath her mask, Emperor Kaido, Empress Kaido smiled. It was terrifying. This is sounds like this is kidding. They are they are fucking guys. Yeah, these two are clearly fucking. Like I don't know how they make that work. It's space magic. It's a video game. They are clearly doing it though. And Zavala's ghost is there for all of it because uh, man, let me tell you, there's got to be some resurrections going on. There's some sort of erection this is, going uh, on. <laughs> man, um, yeah, no. If they if they weren't if they weren't already fucking, they definitely uh, they definitely did right after this lore piece when he offered <laughs> to make a cabal sized version of this fucking grenade launcher. It's probably the size of Zavala, honestly. <laughs> like this thing has got to be about his size that he's offering to her. Dude, so side tangent, I didn't realize like how like I mean, I remember like when season of the chosen was was around like how big Kaido was, but in this in these in these cutscenes, she's massive. She's fucking huge. <laughs> I think she got the bigger. The only big cabal we've ever seen have been trying to kill us. <laughs> I think she's. I think she got bigger. Dude, man, she is. <laughs> she is. Thick with like six C's. Six? Six D? Six C's. <laughs> Thick. Like, god damn. I just, I, I don't have anything else to contribute to this other than the fact that Amanda is clearly fo following us around, filming this like it's ESPN or something. <laughs> like they're recording, like they're, they're videotaping the Tour de France or something. God. It's made it canonical that we've gone back to this facility multiple <laughs> times now. <laughs> and then Zavala, Zavala, I'm imagining Lance Reddick saying this dialogue too. Lance is spitting some game over here. With Empress Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> oh my lord. Man. God, this is not safe for work. Um, Zavala is yeah, brave. Yeah, no. Events transpired after this in the in the in the commander's office. <laughs> oh, man. That's just man. I'm telling you, if Zavala doesn't get to just retire with Keitel, we have been gypped. Jeez. I just I find it fascinating how we have all these ships that we've created in our mind. Zavala and Keitel, of course, you know, the Osiris Saint 14 one was, you know, a fan theory for a while. And then, oh, no, it's totally true. They're they're 100 percent together. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's the bromance also between Saint 14 and Mithrax. Yeah. Um, Ikora and, you know, Eris and Mara, you know, have their own little secret club going on over there. <laughs> the um, Mars Club. <laughs> yeah, the, the, our original domains have been, uh, vaulted in the Destiny Content Vault, so let's just hang out on this one ledge on Mars. Yeah. Um, Drifter, I mean, Dr Drifter just seems like the Tower Lothario. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that just... Uh, 
I mean, Amanda Holiday and uh, Crow has been a popular one. If you you read some of the lore, her and the fallen mechanic that was building the sparrow with her, yeah. they they were probably you know girlfriends. Yeah, like that's definitely implied. Yeah, I just I love this. I love this so much. This is a dimension of destiny we were missing. There was no way for us to ship any of these bland ass characters before, and now I mean, like the most pop, one of the most popular topics on Twitter and Reddit within the first ten days of the Witch Queen coming out is how like how fast do you think Zavala and Keitel fucked when he offered to make her that grenade launcher? <laughs> Like just like how what are the semantics of this? How does this work? Just it's it's ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely wild that we have to have this conversation about a space rhinoceros <laughs> and a member of the Blue Man Group. But here we are. <laughs> God, I'm so glad that nobody got horny for the witness, so we didn't have to have a talk about Mega Mind. Also. <laughs> Okay. All that smoke. <laughs> all that smoke you, that's that coming out of his head. Those are case scenario here. <laughs> all those faces that are in the smoke coming out of his head. Those aren't faces. <laughs> I'm just imagining Skeletor from Masters of the Universe. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> the glory of Skeletor. Yeah, I'm just imagining that right now. Like, just imagine like that face appearing in the smoke while he's just like casually talking to you like trying to be a normal guy <laughs> he has a very he also has like a very like all the smoke faces have a very supreme leader snoke feel to them like yeah so that's really disconcerting like they getting andy circus to do some of this cg like in, in joe blackburn's garage oh my like God. how is this how does this work all right I'm just oh thank God that thank God Destiny is rated T for Teen. Okay, <laughs> he's, we're left he's got to the... imply and pervert things on our own rather than having it on our screen. God, why do so many people listen to this show? <laughs> we, ladies and gentlemen, I'm we have gone off the rails. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is what you can take away from War Quarter oh tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> Corey, please get us out of here. Please. I can't right now. <laughs> oh, this is the last episode I'm going. <laughs> it's okay. I want to thank everybody for oh watching and or listening Lord. to this episode of Tower Casuals. If you like this show, please leave us a nice review on iTunes or oh, Spotify. Oh, Corey, before we get out of here, oh, no! you, said you, had a you said you had a story to share tonight. I already told it. it. I already told it. I completely, I completely forgot. I, t I taught my nine-year-old nephew how to play Destiny. That's right. Sorry, we were too busy going to horny jail, so it overrode everything else that we talked about in the episode. Yeah, I hope he doesn't listen to this episode, because, uh, yeah, it's fine. Does your, nephew, does your nephew listen to our show? I don't know. He watches YouTube oh all the time, and he knows I podcast, and he... Oh, oh no. <laughs> At least Powerblock is safe for family audiences. There's a reason why this one's labeled explicit. It's true. Oh, oh no. I don't want, like... Oh, no. I, oh, no. I don't want, like... Who is it? Your sister-in-law? Yeah. I don't want, like... I want her, like, stomping in the next time that we're doing an episode, going, why were you talking about space rhinoceroses fucking? <laughs> Now I'm like, oh god! Now oh. it's fine. Okay, they'll get over it. Continue getting us out of here, please, <laughs> please. I'm begging you. Oh man, 
where was I? Oh, if you listen on Spotify or iTunes, please leave us a five-star review and a thumbs up and a nice review and whatever else they allow you to do. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, which many of you have started doing, uh, subscribe to the channel. It's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. You can follow us on Twitter at Tower Casuals. Give us your questions, comments, concerns, ideas. We want them all. Josh, just like Zavala wants Keitel. Tell people where they can find you. <laughs> not, not the same thing at all. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Finn, two ends. Uh, I had been planning to stream the raid uh, on day one, but uh, in doing some practice runs, both my network cannot hold up. And uh, we found out now that my internet speed is too great for the uh, shitty router the AT&T gave me. Um, so they actually have to bring me out a gigabit approved router, uh, next week sometime, but also that, uh, I am not able to, because I'm streaming from console and I do not have a computer to route everything through. I am not able to carry on a conversation with chat and read chat and also try and learn a raid at the same time and communicate with my team. Uh, so no, no raid, no raid streams. Uh, maybe we can get something fired up though. Uh, towards the end of the month, we can have a raid night or something like that. Uh, I'd love to do one of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Corey, where can we find you? You can find me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me doing all sorts of things on the internet. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. And until next time, goodbye.